Glad to have you here this morning. You guys awake? Kind of, a little bit, yeah? All right. Well, let's wake up this morning and uh, let's, get, uh, let's get down to, down to business. In some senses, I'm so thankful for those guys who teach us every week. And uh, as, we lead worship, as they lead worship, they teach us just what the truths are about God that we should be singing. Um, and so if you have your Bible this morning, you can open up to Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Hope you all have a Bible. If you don't, you can grab one from um, the lobby. So before we dive in, I, I, I do want to tell you that I'm glad that you're here this morning. And uh, pray that even before coming here today, uh, that God is already moving and working in your heart. And that's when the Lord is really uses Sundays. The Lord will really use a Sunday morning when God is already working in your heart prior to Sunday, right? Sunday will be, um, will be uh, something that maybe contributes uh, in small ways if God's not already working in your heart in um, everyday life. And so I want to make sure that that he is, and when he's doing that, and even for guests who come in, when God's already at work in their hearts, and he's drawing them to themselves, when they come in, God uses our Sunday mornings powerfully, but if God's not already working, um, we, we really can't do anything until God does start working, and so um, I pray that he is working on your heart daily, so that when you come in here, um, this just is a contributor right? It's not, uh, it's not your only meal throughout the week. Um, you would, if that is the case, then you're, you're, ex- you're spiritually malnourished, right? Um, because you can't have just one meal a week. You got to eat regularly, and uh, God's Word is what feeds us. And so pray that you are eating regularly um, from God's Word. You're not malnourished. Um, so then when you come in here, you're not st- starving for some kind of word. It's, it's just another meal, although God does use the uniqueness of preaching for, um, for great things. And so um, I, I pray that he reveals his truth today and draws you into the gospel um, to add to the work that he's already doing. Um, I also do want to take a few moments uh, before we just dive right in and get right into the background. I'm realizing more and more we don't have time, much time to do much introductory need for ourselves uh, prior to getting into the text because there's always just so much to talk about. So we're normally going to start to just really like dive right in right when we open the sermon. But I do want to take a few moments today to acknowledge just the Mandeville officer, um, Captain uh, Vincent Liberto. Um, I did want to do this today for a little while, for just a few minutes, um, even with both of our services. Um, his, obviously, as you guys probably know, his life was taken on Friday, um, as well as the other officer who was wounded. And I just want to acknowledge their families. I want to pray in just a moment um, for them, the wife of the wounded officer, but especially um, the uh, family of, of the captain who passed, uh, who leaves behind um, uh, a wife and seven children. And uh, can't imagine what they're going through as they grieve. Um, but I do want to pray for their families. I want to pray um, as a church that uh, God would comfort them and uh, that God would even use, use us in some sort of way um, to bring comfort to our community. Um, and I just pray that God would hold them. He would be a refuge for them um, during this time. And I want to pray that this time would be used of God to, to even draw many people to himself, um, to his love. Uh, it's, it's times of great need and trouble that... Um, 
that people start to see God maybe even for the first time. And I want to even pray for those who committed the crime, um, even though it was uh, in pure evil, um, uh, that they, as they serve their just punishment um, for this evil crime, that God would save them too. Um, that God would show them that his son's death has taken their eternal punishment. And uh, if they would trust in him and, and that they, if they would um, pray and ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, repent of their sin. And so I just, I love our community. I want us to always be a church in the community. I want us to always be a church who loves our community well, the North Shore community that God has called us to. Um, and I'm so thankful for the officers um, who serve, who put their lives on the line every day to protect us. Uh, for their families, even. Um, if you think about this, uh, our families in our church um, who have officers as, as spouses or even the officers in the community who have spouses that are, that are, off, are uh, spouses in the community that have officers as their spouse, um, they lend their officers to, to serve the public. They, they lend them to us. And uh, we have many officers, even sheriffs and state troopers in our church, in our local congregation every week. Um, and so I just want to, I want, and even one in the lobby every week who comes to just protect our church family. So I'm thankful for all of them. I don't think any of them are in here um, today. No? Well, Josh, just in the military. Um, and so anyone else? Family? No one in here, I don't think. Um, but I'm thankful for all of you guys, and I'm thankful for them, and uh, grateful that um, that the Lord has has given us such great protection. So I want to pray, um, and I do want to mention before I do pray, if anyone needs to talk about anything um, about that related to the to the tragedy, I uh, just want to tell you guys that we are here for you, and obviously that we are ready to talk or meet or minister to you in any time. I don't know if it could be a time of fear or a time of questioning about life, death, eternal things. Death always seems to do that, especially public death. Um, but let's take a moment in prayer. Let's just pray for our community. Let's pray for our, our family. I want to show you this verse before we do. Psalm 46, one says, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Um, and so I pray you pour your heart out to him. God is a refuge for us and he's present in our suffering, in our trouble. He's not far off. So let's join in, in, in prayer today as we, as we ask for God's help. God, we come before you and just want to pray for the families, the community, our community, the families of the officers, the one who is injured, his wife, as well as especially um, the wife and seven children of the officer whose life was taken. God, we pray that you would bring comfort to them. God, we're so thankful that they served and protected us, our community, um, during, during this past weekend, even in a time where, where even the, the, those who were convicted of the, or, or on trial for the crime, going to be on trial for the crime, could have even hurt other citizens, or we don't know how that would have gone, but, but God, we're, we're thankful that you put officers in place to protect us. And uh, we always want to be people who care about our community and we care about our officers that I, and I do as they protect our family, my family, our church. But God, we want to pray that you bring comfort to them during this time, that you draw them into yourself, that you would call them into deep um, fellowship with you during this time, that they'd find you as a refuge, 
God, that you mourn with them and that um, you know their heart. And, and God, I pray that they would find strength and comfort in your, in your presence um, during this time, that, God, if they don't know you, that they would trust in you um, as Savior. I also pray, God, that um, for those who committed the, the evil crime, that you would save them, change their hearts, turn their hearts from, from evil to good to trust in you for, as Savior. Father, we pray for our community, that this would be a time in which community rallies together and uh, cares for one another and is encouraging to one another, uplifts one another. I pray that we would show thanks to our officers whenever we get a chance to see them or say thank you to them. Um, and God, we don't know how thankful we are until something like this happens, but God, I pray um, that our community, this would maybe even draw our North Shore community into a realization of their need for you um, as, they, uh, as life and death seems to put in, in front of our eyes a need to think about eternal things. I pray, that, I pray that you'd use it. And so we give this to you. We give these families to you, the families in our church who are part of law enforcement and, uh, and the people in the community. And we ask that you would um, use this for your glory. Um, as you can work all things for your good, even those that are tragic. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you guys for praying with me. If you have your Bibles ready, let's dive in like we normally do. I want you to kind of picture this like we're gonna, in a moment, once we read physically, kind of just diving inside this text. That's kind of how I look at it when we look at Scripture. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just weird. Uh, but when I start reading, I'm like physically diving inside. Like I want to roll around in it, walk around in it, observe everything around every corner, uh, find everything that's tucked inside of it, and glean from it. And so where we find ourselves in Luke today is really a culmination of, a th of thousands of years. And so the whole Old Testament was written in looking forward to the Messiah, right? Even all the way back to Genesis chapter three, um, because we see that there's an anointed one that we look forward to. Genesis chapter three, verse 15 on the screens. I will put enmity between you and the woman, woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Even this is a foretelling all the way back in Genesis chapter three of the one that God would send to defeat sin and, and Satan. Um, and this was fulfilled in his coming. This specific even uh, word was fulfilled. First John uh, 3, 8, the reason that the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And so we see that really all the way even back from the first sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, um, the Messiah was anticipated. Um, God started speaking of a, of a coming one who would defeat Satan and defeat evil. And then we see that even more explicitly all through the prophets, all through the people, all through the lineages, all through the ceremonies, all through the sacrifices, all through the events, all through all of the Old Testament. It points to a coming Messiah, an anointed one. So the people were in anticipation for the coming Messiah. You got to understand how this is working, right? One example, I mean, just an obvious example to David, right? Second Samuel 7, 12 through 13 speaks, God speaks to David. When your days are fulfilled and when you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up for you an offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. 
He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That's speaking of Jesus, who would come of his lineage, and he would be the Messiah, the anointed one, the coming one to restore Israel back to their God. Even Isaiah uh, 53, 4 through 6, tons in this chapter, but 700 years before the birth of Christ. Look at this. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him not, uh, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we were healed. All, like, all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own, uh, to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And so this is 700 years before the, before the Christ, before the Messiah. And all of this led God's people to be in a state of anticipatory um, waiting um, for the coming one, the restorer of Israel. Not a political power, although some maybe misunderstood that to be the case, but to restore God's people back to their God, right? And that's got to be a big deal to you. Because you don't understand, these people knew that they were God's, God's people. And over and over and over in the scriptures, they turned away from God and turned to their own ways. Over and over again, God would send prophet, God would send judge, God would send king, and to try to draw them back, and they would continue to go to their own, go in their own way. And they were captive by nations, by Israel. Uh, Israel was captive uh, by uh, the Assyrians, right? The Syrians, the Babylonians, um, the Egyptians, and um, and they were in a state where where they were realizing they could not keep faithful to their faithful God. Like they were in a state of, of continual desperation. Like the, the only way that the Messiah, the anointed one, is something that you look forward to is when you realize how, how distant, how sinful you are, how distant you are from the God that created you, who wants a relationship with you. And the same is true for us. I mean, when the Savior means much to you is when you know um, you have been anything but faithful to the faithful one, right? Jesus means nothing to you if you walk in here on Sunday mornings and he's just a, an add-on to your week. You don't really need him. You're doing pretty good in your Christianity on your own. Like these people knew that they needed a savior. They knew they needed an anointed one, the Messiah. And so they were waiting. They were waiting, waiting, waiting. And the New Testament, starting with the gospel, gives us an account of God sending this anointed one through his son. Luke wrote to prove and to reveal that Jesus, this Christ, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, this is the anointed one, this is who God has been waiting for, that uh, you have been waiting for. This is the Lord, this is the Savior, right, um, of God bringing his people back to himself, that salvation would come through him. So Luke gives an account in Luke 1, 1 through 4, it says this, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, meaning the Messiah has come, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all the things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, right? And so this is who he's writing to, and so... Uh, and, and this is what he's doing. He's giving an orderly account of the things that happened, which is Jesus has come to earth and he is the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus pr proved that while he was on earth. And the reason is that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. They need to know that this Jesus is indeed the Messiah that they've been waiting for. Like all of Israel needs to know that. And then eventually the whole world needs to know that because this is the Messiah that has come to restore people back to God. 
the unfaithful ones back to the faithful one. So Jesus, as God, comes into the world and he's coming to preach the forgiveness of sins. That's why he's coming in here, to the sinners who repent and believe. Jesus is teaching this of himself and Luke is giving us this proof for belief and salvation in his name. And so he's God, he's Lord, he's Savior. So it's no wonder that the reason, that the, the, the things that Luke has been doing up until this point have all been pointing to showing, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Like if you take this gospel and start just trying to apply things to your life and make it a self-help book, it just doesn't work because Luke's not doing that. Luke is showing massive things, like things that are beyond, things that are showing a God who started thousands of years ago and is moving into eternity future and has his glory at stake and is ready to save people because he's giving testimony, not testimony of us, but testimony of who Jesus is the whole time, the son of God. Remember this, the testimony of angels, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, the testimony of Simeon and Anna, the testimony of the virgin birth, the testimony of angels again, the testimony of shepherds, the testimony of the Davidic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the new covenant, Jesus in the temple, the testimony of the Holy Spirit descending on him at his baptism, the testimony of God the Father, the voice out of heaven, the testimony of John the Baptist, who in all intent, for all intents and purposes is the last Old Testament prophet. He carries over into the New Testament. The testimony of the genealogy, the prophecy, divine characteristics that we've seen of Jesus. The testimony of his teaching, it's got power, it's got authority over demons. His testimony of, of his power over nature, waves, right? They obey him. Uh, over sickness, the testimony of his authority to forgive sins and his testimony that he is indeed the Lord of of the Sabbath. And so this whole time we've been seeing that this is proof that Jesus indeed is the Messiah, the Christ who has come to forgive sins, that these people would believe that you would believe and so be forgiven of your sins. And so forgiveness, this forgiveness is for sinners. And we've seen that this is a new way. This is the new wine. It doesn't fit with old Judaism. The Pharisees are upset because now human need and love and mercy and compassion have overtaken um, their ceremonial rituals. And so this this gospel that we saw, as we saw last week, is not only going to save sinners, but it's going to use sinners. Jesus is going to choose now to use sinners, humble means to advance this gospel. I mean, this is, this is crazy. The long-anticipated Messiah come to restore the unfaithful ones back to the faithful one. And he's going to save sinners, not the Jewish uh, religious elitists. And he's going to use humble means to advance this gospel to the ends of the earth. I mean, this is crazy. And all throughout this, listen, it's very important to see that all throughout this, although this has all been humble and hidden means, I mean, Jesus came in a manger, humble and hidden. And through the remainder of his life up until this point, it's been humble and hidden. And yet all of this, even though it's been humble and hidden, Jesus is saving so many. He's reaching so many. His gospel it is, it is advancing so far. And, and you would do anything but anticipate that happening in what we've seen so far. I mean, people are hating him. The Pharisees are, are already persecuting him, right? People are doubting him. People are turning away from him. He's not come in like the king that they all thought he was going to come in like, and yet his gospel is changing the world. The gospel is changing the world. And we're going to get a glimpse of that. So that's what's happening today. Listen, today Luke is giving us a standstill picture, okay? It's like a summary, two verses. You wonder why do we take so much time on each thing? Listen, I could take a week on each verse, right? We, we are going faster than we even should be, 
right? I'm just getting you guys used to it. Over the next 10 years, I'm going to start slowing down, <laughs> right? Getting you, guys, getting you guys ready for that. I mean, we could literally, I mean, we should probably go slower. There's so much packed into everything. Today is two, uh, three verses, 17 through 19. But Luke is giving us a standstill picture right now. He's giving us a glimpse. He's giving us like, like imagine um, like a writer of a, of a novel who's kind of summarizing what he's written so far, taking into account all that we've seen. That's kind of what's about to happen today. And it's perfect because of, of what's about to take place after this, okay? And I'm gonna tell you that in a minute. And so imagine like, it, it'd be like this. Imagine like our building next door that we just had worked so hard on to, to get finished. And imagine, you know, all the hustle and bustle every week of getting that stuff done, in and out, phone calls. Hey, did you get this? Hey, did you do that? Hey, do we finish that? Coming in, trying to work on little bits and pieces, trying to get this little floor spot out or this wall spot out or, or whatever. And then one day you come in and for just a moment, you, you don't kind of use, all, you don't look at all the, the minute things. For just a moment, you kind of stand there and look at kind of just holistically where we're at with this whole building project. Like, all right, this is, this is kind of the state we're in currently. And that's what's happening in, this, in, these, ver- in these verses today. So we've been, we've been hustling and bustling. We've been going fast. And Jesus has been doing so much. And now Luke's kind of giving you an opportunity to, to stand and look. He's coming hidden. He's coming humble. He's coming in a manger. People hate him. People are turning away from him. Uh, this, is, this is not what it looks like. And yet he's fulfilling and showing that he's a son of God. And, is, and lest you think that this, this thing isn't working, like right now, the state that everything is in is that the gospel is changing the world. You know, and that's what Luke is allowing us to see. Luke does this three other times that we've seen so far. I just haven't mentioned them. Um, This would be the fourth time. Uh, One of those times is Luke chapter four, verses 14 through 15. And Jesus returned in power of the spirit of Galilee and report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. That's kind of like a, that's the same literary um, feature um, that we see in that, in, in Luke chapter four. He's doing the same thing in that moment letting you get a good glimpse of everything. And there's three other uh, ways in which he's done that so far. I won't point all of them out. So, and even again in a couple times so far. So, so Luke stops here, and this is fitting. Listen, b- before we read, let me tell you, this is fitting for what's about to take place next. Because so far we've watched this gospel and we've seen it, and this thing is upside down. This is not what we expect, but what follows is even more so. After we see this, we're gonna get into the Beatitudes. And now the Beatitudes in this book aren't as, as extensive as Matthew's Beatitudes. It's okay. Luke just chooses uh, what to show here and what not to show. Um, his emphasis of his gospel is a little bit different. But now we're going to get into like, okay, we've seen this upside down gospel. Luke is summarizing saying this gospel is now changing the world. And now we're going to get into like the explicit teachings of this upside down way, right? It's, it's perfectly position. Because now this upside down way is going to show us that this isn't at all what the Jews thought it would be. Like this is based on love, right? This is the way in which God has, has called us to live in this upside down way, in this humble and hidden way, and that involves sinners and saves sinners. So at this point, make no mistake, the gospel is changing the world. 
Although humble, although hidden, although forgiveness for sinners persecuted by religious leaders with the use of sinners to advance it, this is happening the way that God had planned it. The gospel is still changing the world. He's bringing forth his kingdom of love and salvation and teaching and healing. And it speaks to, even further as we kind of get into us, how Jesus' gospel in the same way is still changing the world. And we can be a part of that. And so let's read Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Two points that we see in how the picture is unfolding that the gospel is is changing the world. Really two obvious points, but they're going to just give us insight into this. Number one, Jesus is reaching many with his gospel. Emphasis on many. Emphasis on many. The gospel is changing the world. Jesus is reaching many people with his gospel. And so we read in verse 17, he came down, right? This imagery is perfect because it shows, although not Uh, metaphorical in in the way that it's given. Um, It is metaphor in some ways that he came down to earth, right? He's down with his people. He's on level plane with his people, the God of the universe. This is the way that the gospel is changing the world. He's on level plane with the people he created. You get it, right? So it's metaphor, it's imagery of his coming, and yet it's literal, right? This love that has come down, his humanity, his new way of the gospel. He came down, and it says, he came down with them. Eyes on the text. Stay with me. He came down with them, and we're going to explain that in a second. We're going to jump around for just a moment in this first verse of verse 17. He came down with them to a level place. Now, this is the imagery again of his coming. Um, he, he, uh, uh, there's, you know, we can see that, except that's not exact. It, it, this is telling us literally what has taken place. And so he's, he's come down to teach them and to heal them. And so here's how this probably worked, okay? So when we get to this level place, probably in the last passage when he went up to the mountain to be by himself to do what? Pray. He went up. All the people that were following him probably followed him to a certain point. He probably turned around, gave him a nod like, don't come any further. Then his apostles, or would-be apostles, right, they kind of knew who they were in some ways because they were the closest to him, the most committed, would go up a little further with him. And then what would happen is that Jesus would go on up. He would kind of turn, give them the nod, and then he would go up even further to be by himself, right? And so when it says that he came down with them to a level place, he probably came down in that same order. Grab the twelve chose them, right, that we saw in our last passage, and then continued down further to the rest of the disciples, right, on the way down with the apostles into the crowd. Because what we see is that they went, he came down with them, stood at a level place with the crowd of the disciples. So he found like a level place on a mountainside, 
Probably. This is a mountainside, and there was some kind of level place or plain, right? Sermon on the Mount that's about to happen could also be termed as Sermon on the Plain, right? It's like this is, there's some kind of flat space that Jesus is going to use to teach. So on the way down, he grabs the apostles, then goes into the crowd, and you got to understand who's here at this level place, and, I, and I'm going to Take each piece. I'm jumping around a little bit, but stay with me. He came down with them and stood at this level place in this great crowd. And at this point now, I mean, this is probably, I don't know, like give or take one or two, 30,000 people, right? Because if you think about like even the ways in which he fed the people, right? When he, when he made fish and bread, like out of nothing, right? There's easily 30,000 people. And you got to understand that this is not just like something that's happening like right here, right now. This has been happening since the popularity of Jesus. People can't get in houses, so they're dropping things, dropping people down the roof, right? Like these people are following Jesus all of the time, every day, everywhere. That's what's happening. Jesus' gospel is changing the world. Like this is easy. I mean, the mass amount of people that are following him at any given time, that's not his purpose. It's not his purpose is just to amass a crowd for the same sake in which some of our pastors or churches around the world now would, would want to draw a crowd. He, just, he was reaching people with the message of his gospel. So he comes down from this mountainside to this level place. And, uh, and, and this is where, what he's doing right now. And this is before the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, he's going to sit and teach, right? He's about to do that um, in verse 20. When we get to verse 20, right, we see that. But right now, he's on this level place. But what's going to happen is he's going to go back up to teach when it's time. He's, they're on this level place. He's going to go up a little bit further to look down upon them in some ways and sit and, and teach them in just a minute with the Beatitudes. But right now, his goal isn't to teach. It's going to be to heal because what we see in Matthew 5, 1, as a, he's about to teach the Beatitudes. Look at this. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and then he taught. And so that's probably the ordering of what's taking place right now. Right now, he's not ready to teach. He's ready to heal, right? So he's on this level place. We're still on that, on that term. He came down, right? We know what's kind of happening there with them and stood on this level place. Um, down the hill, um, level spot. He's probably going to be with them for hours, healing them. I mean, how do we know he's with them for hours? Well, look at verse 19. What does it say there um, at the very end? He healed them what? All. So this is going to take a while, right? So he's on a level place. He's eventually going to teach his Sermon on the Mount, and he's going to sit. But right now, we point this out because the other thing that we're seeing here, he came down with them, and he stood on a level place. So we know he's not teaching yet, right? To heal them, cast out demons, all of them, then to sit. So we're jumping around a little bit. So who's involved here? Go back up. He came down with who? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle three things. If you got a pen or you got some way to highlight your Bible, I want you to circle three things. I want you to circle them. I want you to circle disciples. And I want you to circle people. All in that verse 17. He came down with them. Circle that. And he stood on a level place with a great number crowd of his disciples. Circle that. And a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. So circle, them, disciples, people. 
So the first, as we saw this level place, him coming down, him standing, it's, we see that now we're, we're kind of going back up and then we're going to keep following this trail all the way through verse 17. It says he came down with them. Now who's them? What? Specifically who? It's apostles, right? How do we know that? He just called them. The previous passage shows us at the end of the passage that he just called the, the apostles, right? So when it says naturally he came down with them after that, we know that those are the apostles. So we see the, the, we see the groups that are here as he's coming down, right? I mean, again, listen, this is to show that Jesus' gospel is changing the world, like, you, there's no mistake. Every category of people are going to be mentioned. He's changing the world. So he comes down with the apostles. Who are the apostles? Well, they're the sent ones, the ones who are sent. That what, that's what apostle literally means. These are going to be the ones whom he sends to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. These are the preachers in training, right? He hasn't ordained them yet, Tanner, right? We, we, we had these pastors in training. This is who these guys are, right? Matthew 10, 6 through 7. Look at this. Go, he says this to the apostles. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These are the guys who are going to be proclaiming, right? Now, others should be as well, but these are the ones who will certainly be proclaiming. These are his apostles. He is reaching many with his gospels, the first category is these apostles. But then what we see, so he came down with them, got that, stood on a level place, got that, stood and level place, great crowd. So just so you know, great crowd, this is like multitudes upon multitudes. And it says great tr twice with this and with um, the great multitude of people, right? We're gonna get to that category in a second. But first we see this great crowd of his disciples. So now we got the apostles who are the sent ones and now we got the disciples. These people are purely learners, right? They're still in the state of receiving. These are re probably regular followers, but this is across the broad spectrum. Like this, this is, these aren't, these aren't at the level of the apostles. These, these are people who are literally just, they're receiving, 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 receiving from, Je from Jesus. And this is across the spectrum. Listen, this is a mixed bunch, okay? Th these are probably new people who are just learning about Jesus. They are new believers who actually have believed, repented of their sin, and trusted in the Savior. These are probably some faithful believers who are, are ready to follow Jesus everywhere they fully get what he's saying. There are some temporary disciples probably in this. Well, for sure in this. Some people who are following him from, oh, for a while, and yet at the same time, they they don't like what he's going to say. They're not, they don't, they're not going to like what he does. They don't like what kind of savior Messiah this is. This is what they expected. So they're temporary followers. They're not real, right? Undoubtedly at this time, Jesus has performed hundreds of, mir hundreds of miracles. And so people are following because they know that they're his, he's the chosen teacher that they want to follow for now, but they're not going to be the ones in which probably stay with them. So this is a mixed bunch when it says disciples, but those are just the receivers. Those are the takers. They ain't on the leadership team, right? They're not the ones who are being ready to be sent by Jesus. And then, so, so listen, what you see so far is Jesus reaching many with his, with his gospel. He's got these apostles, he's got these disciples, and then you got a great multitude of what? People. 
Now, this is uh, what, when you see this, isn't, I'm just not just pointing this out and saying, oh, maybe this is a different category. Like Luke uses this throughout his gospel. And so what we know is that there's a different category of people. And these people who aren't really like following him, they're just, they're just kind of curious people, right? They're uncommitted to Jesus in any sort of way. They're not even committed to him temporarily right now, but they're observing. And we see that these people are from three places, Judea, right? These are the people from Judea, which these are common Jews, okay? Which Judea, if you know anything about it, is, is, is Israel, but the, the southern part of Israel. The northern part is Galilee, right? And, but here's the deal. Sometimes Judea is referred to, like, if you get confused when you look at a map and you're like, okay, I want to see the map of this. And sometimes Judea says, like, this, like, portion down here. But sometimes, like, Judea is, like, the whole entire thing. Well, sometimes Judea, it, the whole nation of Israel in some ways was referred to as Judea. So, like, so really this is in a general sense, like, everybody, everywhere is coming to, to visit and to observe Jesus. Jesus' gospel is changing the world. And then you see Jerusalem, which you guys know is the religious epicenter of all things. So like you got the general people and then you got the, the religious people and even religious leaders, because we've seen that so far, right? Like Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, etc. And then you even see, furthermore, Tyre and Sidon, which are the coastal regions right? Like these are the people from the north and the west of Galilee, like the border of the Mediterranean Sea, modern day Lebanon. Um, and these are probably include Gentiles, pagans, a lot of immorality, a lot of idolatry, right? And so what we see is that these are people from every, there is no category. Luke is giving us a snapshot right now that this is a, every, the gospel is changing the world. It's changing the world. This is incredible. The Messiah has come, and in light of everything so far, the kingdom is spreading. The kingdom is spreading. Could you have thought that this upside-down way is going to change the world? It's going to change the world. It's what we see in the parable of Matthew 13, 31. Look at this. Yet he put out another parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven, that's Jesus's reign and rule. That's the spread of the gospel is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. I can't wait to go to Israel because I know when we go to Israel, many of you guys will hold the mustard seed in the palm of your hand, probably in the same place in which Jesus said it. And I hope you come with us. And you're going to see the, small, the mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, right? Even, even hard to even look at because it's so small. But look at this. And that's how Jesus came in. The smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And this is the kingdom of heaven. This is what's happening. And it's still true today. Listen, he is still reaching many with his gospel today. I want to tell you, listen, in light of this, no matter what the world thinks, how insignificant, inconvenient, exclusive, offensive, humble, hidden Christianity is, no matter what your friends think, if you're an outsider, if you're ostracized because of your faith and your ministry, in the eyes of the world, persecution for your church or individually, we always face persecution. People always leave. People always get mad. People will always get mad at you. People will always, your faith will cause disruption consistently in your life. Listen, it don't matter. 
Don't lose sight of who we serve, who God is, who's in control, who's the Lord of heaven and earth. This is his plan and his gospel is gonna go forth regardless of what anybody's gonna do or say. This is what Luke is showing us here. His gospel is going forth. Jesus, the Messiah, it's his gospel. He's the son of God. It's his salvation. It's his blood. It's his Holy Spirit. It's his glory. The power of his gospel is changing the world because no matter what anyone in this story thinks, so far the testimonies are true. They can follow him fully or not. The religious leaders can persecute him or they don't have to, but Luke gives us a glimpse. This is what's happening. The gospel is going forth. It's what Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 is going to say, for I am God and there's no other God like me. I'm God. There's no one like me, declares, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things not yet done. Like I have told you what's going to happen before they even happen, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purposes. Jesus is accomplishing this plan. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. No one's going to thwart this gospel from going forth. Matthew 24.14, and the gospel of the kingdom, what? What's that next word? Will. It's going to be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. It will be proclaimed. Although humble, although hidden, although folly, loving and compassion for the human who needs it, the sinner, God is sending this gospel forth, and it is advancing. We get a glimpse, a snapshot. This gospel is going forth. He's reaching many with the gospel, and he's still reaching many today. And so I want to ask you this question. Are you one that he has reached with the gospel? The gospel's going forth. Are you one that he's reached with it? Or are you still on the other side, watching it, watching Jesus and saying, I wonder if this is going to do anything significant or if eventually Jesus will just kind of go away. That's what some of the people wondered. Well, you're not going away. His gospel is going to advance to the end of the earth. It will. It is advancing and it, it will advance. He's not going away. So you've got to make a choice. Right? He's, the other options, the third option is not happening. He's not going away. And then ask yourself this question, who in your life hasn't been reached with this gospel? Have you... And then ask yourself this question, have you seen what he's doing and his gospel advancing and that's unstoppable? And have you jumped on board to make it known to the people around you? Like if you jumped on board, like this train is moving. Are you, are you on board? Have you jumped on board, grabbed the hold tight and so that you're bringing this gospel with him, becoming part of his movement forward of this gospel? Jesus is turning over the world. And even right now, his kingdom is coming, and we see in this passage, he's still reaching many with the gospel. Are you on board with advancing it with him? You don't have to be, but the train's going to keep moving. And you've got an opportunity to share this gospel with plenty of people around you that you see every day. Every day. And so the power of gospel is changing the world, and it's still doing it. And the reason why it's reaching so many people Number two, the reason why Jesus is reaching so many with this gospel is because of Jesus' divine power. Number two, Jesus' divine power is the reason why he can reach so many with his gospel. Jesus' divine power 
is the reason why so many will be reached with the gospel. Luke is giving us this snapshot. And in the last two verses, what we see is the power of the Son of God. The reason why this gospel is advancing is because of Jesus' power, pure and simple. He's the Son of God, so he will ensure that it advances, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle three more words as we look at this next section, at 18 through 19, and this one's going to be a little bit quicker, but I want you to circle um, here. So who came to hear him, circle here. I want you to next circle healed, That's a, and, they, and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, circle cured. Here, healed, cured. And the crowd straight, uh, crowd sought to touch him, and the power came out of him, and he healed them all. And so what we see here is a lot of different things, but all of these people are coming, and they're coming for specific reasons. And we see a, a main reason, and we see why they're coming. His gospel's changing the world, and we're now seeing that it's because of his power. His power alone is changing everything. So what do we see? Well, they came to hear, right? That's the first word you circled, and that's teaching. Teaching, his teaching possessed what? Authority, power. He's not, basically, the scriptures tell us he ain't teaching like the, the scribes. He's teaching like the one who is telling us about it, like this is about him, like this is his power, right? He is teaching like this scripture is about him. So they've come to hear him, to teach as he teaches. That's the main reason why they're coming. Like in the Beatitudes, what's coming next is the main reason why these people are going to come. Like they want to hear him teach. He's a teacher. He's a preacher of the word, right? The miracles are just to display the authority of his teaching, right? The miracles aren't ends in in it of themselves, they're meant to point back to him and point back to the scriptures. So he's, he, he, they're coming to hear. And then what we see as they're coming to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Now, this is the power of God, right? The gospel is advancing because the power of Jesus is teaching and because the power of Jesus is healing. That's why the gospel is advancing showing him to be the son of God. People are believing. The, God, the, excuse me, the miracles are showing that he's the son of God and people are believing. Like who else can do this except who? The son of God for people's belief. And so the gospel is advancing because of Jesus' teaching and the gospel is advancing because of Jesus' healing, right? So he came, they came to hear him. All these people, the gospel's advancing. He's reaching many. And it's because of his power they came to hear him. They came to be healed of their diseases. The power in both of those is the reason why Jesus can advance this gospel. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And so we see the spiritual senses, unclean spirits, those who are oppressed by the power of Satan and his demons are coming to Jesus and Jesus is cleansing them, curing them of the spiritual oppression. And so the gospel is advancing because of Jesus' power over Satan and his demons. So think about this. The reason why the gospel is advancing is because the power of Jesus is teaching, the power of Jesus is healing, and the power of Jesus is curing of people who are spiritually oppressed. So the reason, like summarize, his power. He's doing it. Verse 19 
gives us insight into this summary. We're almost done. Insight into the summary. Check out verse 19. And the crowd sought to touch him. This is like a summary within this passage, which is a summary, okay? You got summaries on summaries. Here we go. All the crowd sought to touch him. What's that next word? For. That's a, one of the best words in all the Bible because it gives you reasons the preceding gives you the reason or, or the, the proceeding gives you the reason the preceding gives you what's happening. Listen, for, this is why this is happening. All these people are coming to touch him for, here's the reason, because that connecting word is like treasure. Circle it every time you read it in the Bible. It helps me so much. The crowd sought him, sought to touch him. He's reaching many. Why is all this happening? For, like it gives us the reason at the end, power is the reason. Power, 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 power. This is the reason why this is happening. This is why the gospel is advancing. This is why he's reaching so many. This is why he's able to, to, to teach like this, for them to hear like this, for them to be healed like this, for them to be cured like this. His power, he's doing it. God, though humble, though hidden, though for sinners, though sinners will carry it, though persecuted by the religious, though many disciples will be turning away because it's not what they want, not the kind of savior they want, not what they want to hear, make no mistake, mistake, listen, this plan is not being thwarted. There's no stopping his love and compassion. There's no stopping any of what Jesus is doing because his power is going out. Him, he, 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 he is behind this work because he's the son of God. And this is why his gospel will reach many. Listen, well, this story isn't exactly how we thought it would be, how the religious leaders, how the Jewish people thought that it would be. This isn't exactly the greatest welcoming party to, the God, to God coming to earth, right? His gospel's still gonna go forth. You wanna know why? Because his power is behind it. Like the gospel will go forth because God's power is behind it. His blood his work of the spirit, his words, his works, his messengers, right? Like that's why this thing is going forth. This is why it will continue to go forth. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the what? Power of who? God for salvation to everyone who believes. This is power. And I wanna point one thing out and we're gonna close, we're done. This is also compassion too. This gospel is going forth and it's full of power, but I want you to notice something. The way in which he's doing this is through compassion. Think about the way in which the gospel is going forth, the way in which this is happening. Saving people, healing people, teaching people, curing people, freeing people. Like the power is being manifested in compassion. Like that's what kind of God we have right? Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's a quote from Isaiah 61. Jesus is teaching about himself because he has anointed me. Look, this is about Jesus to proclaim the good news. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The power of the gospel is advancing. Jesus's power is the reason why the gospel is advancing 
but it's manifesting itself in compassion. And so today I want to tell you his gospel is still going forth because of his power. And so I want to tell you a few things. First of all, take heart, Christian. Like lest you're losing heart because you think maybe the gospel's losing, it's not. And it's not going to. Why? Because it's his power behind it. Like take heart. And then also I'll ask you, has the power and the compassion of the gospel changed your life? Like do you have Jesus' power manifesting itself in your life right now by changing you? Like do you sense any power at all? Or are you like this? The whole, when you're reading your scriptures, when you're praying, when you come to church, you're like, the, I mean, you're just glazing. Because there's no power working right now in your heart. Like this gospel is full of power to change and to use you. And so if the gospel's alive in your life, power is in your life. If there ain't no power, like you plug it in and it's just like, mm, you know, like there's something wrong. And then also, will you be part of bringing his power and compassion to a lost world that needs you? This is how it goes forth. So as we close, the power of the gospel is changing the world. Jesus is reaching many. And his divine power is the reason why it's going forth. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We ask you to just use your word. We know that that this gospel will advance. Let it have its work in our lives. And I pray that we would be a part of advancing it to the ends of the earth. Please help us, God, as we, as we take a moment and just reflect on how you change the world and how you are changing the world. And help us to understand that this is for us too for us to be changed by it, and for us to bring it forth. And I pray that we would, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.